Franklin inbounding, full court pressure by the Cougars. Hamlet will retrieve the inbound pass. Five seconds to go. Hamlet from the left wing. He will put up a floater, drive to the basket, and the Crusaders win at the buzzer! Here's Reynolds, step back, 4-3, and the win, no good. Valpo wins! Valpo wins! Valpo wins 94-91. Valpo advances the best game I've ever seen for the Valpo women's basketball team. They beat the Detroit Titans by a score of 94-91. Valpo wins the game. They advance to round two of the Horizon League tournament. This is the Overtime Podcast, the official podcast of the Valparaiso women's basketball team. Each week, we bring you in-depth interviews and discuss all the latest in Crusader hoops. And now, let's meet the starting lineups for today's episode. From Miami, Florida, Justin Reese. And from Portage, Indiana, Brandon Vickery. And welcome in, everybody, to this week's edition of the Valpo Women's Basketball Overtime Podcast. Brandon Vickery, glad to be joined by... Justin Reese, and it's an exciting edition of the podcast as we get you ready for Motor City Madness, the Horizon League tournament coming up starting on Friday. So later on in the show, Justin and I will look ahead uh, to this week's Horizon League tournament and a lot to talk about, including a win over UIC, and we'll talk about the Horizon League awards here momentarily. Uh, but first of all, Justin, it's quite simply an exciting time whenever uh, the postseason play and tournaments are on the horizon. Yeah, it's it's a nice spot to be in as far as, you know, this is what you've worked for. You know, you kind of look at your season as, as three separate areas. You've got your non-conference, and you've got your conference, and you got your tournament. So we're heading into that final piece, uh, and we're excited about the momentum we've kind of created, at least in the last month of the season. Uh, certainly not all the results we wanted, but the play is starting to come together. The offense is catching up to the defense for the most part. Uh, we still have a lot of kinks to work out, but we feel good about where we're at and our matchups as far as where we sit in the draw. First half of conference, 0 and 9. Second half, 4 and 5. I think that shows the improvement that you've made over the course of the season, right there. We'll talk more about that later on, but let's jump in with the all league teams and all league uh, postseason awards that were announced yesterday. And I'm just for the benefit of our listeners, I'm going to kind of run through uh, the entire list here, and then we'll get Justin to chime in. We'll talk about the Valpo players represented and maybe get some of his other thoughts on the all-league all team. So here it is. The first team, Horizon League Women's Basketball all-league team is Chelsea Welch from Wright State, Marin Crocker from Green Bay, Rosanna Reynolds from Detroit Mercy, Ashanti Abshaw from Cleveland State, Hannah Little from Oakland. Second team, Danny Franklin from Valpo, Kayla Livingston from Cleveland State, Jessica Lindstrom from Green Bay, Steph Kostowitz from Milwaukee, Brianne Cohen from Detroit Mercy, uh, the freshman team is Mary Dunn from Youngstown State, Jade Eli from Cleveland State, Marinkovic from Detroit Mercy, Lizzie Odegaard from Milwaukee, and Caitlin Hibner from Green Bay. The defensive team, Hannah Little from Oakland, Jen Wellnitz from Green Bay, Jessica Lindstrom from Green Bay, Amber Linfors from Valpo, and Rebecca Little from Northern Kentucky. And the other awards, Player of the Year, Marin Crocker, Coach of the Year, Katrina Merriweather from Wright State, Freshman of the Year, Mary Dunn, Defensive Player of the Year, Hannah Little, and Sixth Player of the Year, Oakland's Taylor Jones. So there you have it, and Justin, nice to see two Valpo players represented. Yeah, I think the, the voting and, and the list, when you look at them, if you kind of take yourself out of you know, your own biases, if, if you will, and, and you kind of see, uh, I feel like it's pretty good. I mean, there were some disappointing results in the sense of, of where some of our young ladies finished, but I think uh, we were, you know, rightly or wrongly punished for our win-loss record. So 
you know, to see Danny make it and, and where she's well-deserved, I would, you know, feel like she, with her statistical performance and where we're at and knowing every team has to game plan for her specifically on our roster, I uh, would have liked to have seen her uh, bump into that first team, but you can't take away from any of the five that are on there. So uh, to see her represented there, it was good for her and, and nice for the team and as far as, again, shows the, the representation of what we've done the second half of the season. Uh, Amber making the all-defensive team, I, I felt like that was going to be a no-brainer and I would have been shocked if she wasn't on it. Um, you can't argue with Hannah Little as far as this season winning the Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, she was way up there in, you know, in three different statistical categories, whereas Amber was just kind of more in the two range right now. She continues to improve, and her point totals pick up, and her rebounding point totals, as we've talked about several times. Uh, I think she's going to be the Defensive Player of the Year uh, for this conference for the foreseeable future. But uh, congratulations to those kids. They deserved it. It was good to see Amber get at least recognized on the all-defensive team. Uh, I feel like anything, we were a little bit short on the freshman team. I, I felt like Caitlin, uh, uh, Caitlin, <coughs> excuse me, Caitlin Morrison had a chance to really be on that starting every game for us. Uh, didn't have a big statistical number that jumps out at you, but it's something we've always talked about, just kind of the stat stuffer for us. Gets you a few boards, a few points, a few, you know, a few heels, a few blocks. She's always doing something positive for us. But again, you look at those five, um, you know, you might have a, a, a bone to pick with maybe one or two of them, but uh, as far as freshman of the year, that was a no-brainer as well. Yeah, it certainly I think it comes down to sometimes uh, when it's uh, close between a Green Bay player and a Valpo player and one team's at the top of the conference and the other team's toward the bottom, that some of the voters may have leaned that way and it kind of seemed to happen at the, at the bottom half of the all-freshman team. But overall, I thought that the awards were, were pretty close to what I think a lot of us anticipated, especially when you look at the specialty awards and the player of the year, freshman of the year, coach of the year. Player yeah, absolutely. Hard to have any I mean, the six players, yeah. that was yeah, given long before yeah. anything. I mean, she's just placed in that role. She's easily one of the best, you know, five, six players in the conference overall. It's just she gets rewarded for six player because she is Oakland's six player, but by design, not so much because she's a, a kid who's a role player coming yeah. off the bench. She is a starter who plays in that role and excels at it. So uh, no surprise there. Uh, no surprise to me as far as player of the year. She would have been my preseason player of the year. So uh, I think she just does a little bit of everything. I know uh, – for what most people would think, Green Bay hasn't had the regular season people always expect them to have. But uh, without her, that team is nowhere near as good as they are. Uh, and we'll see. Hopefully, we'll get a chance to play them again and, and do our best against her as well. Uh, coach of the year, no-brainer. They lose their head coach from last year. Coach Merriweather did a great job and, and kept Wright State at the top of the league all season long. Uh, I believe they get a share of the conference title as far as that goes. I know they lose the tiebreaker as far yeah. as the seeding, but they right. get a share of the regular season. So that's pretty great. Uh, for Wright State anyway, and then again, as we talked about, Defensive Player of the Year, Hannah Little with steals, and her rebounding totals were, were so far and away above most anybody else, and the fact that she was a double-digit scorer on top of that, uh, hard to argue with where she was at as far as those things go. Freshman of the Year, Mary Dunn for Youngstown. She's done fantastic work for, for Youngstown through all their injuries, just like our kids have done for us as well. So again, the only real bone to pick is, is where Danny Franklin lies, and I think we get kind of penalized for our win-loss record, which is fair. Uh, and then on the freshman team, I, I think we could have had a Caitlin Morrison sighting on there as well, especially with some of the, uh, the other young ladies who did make that team. But again, uh, I do believe the win-loss record definitely affected us there. Sure. All right. Well, there you have the Horizon League postseason awards. And nice to have two Valpo players and certainly well-deserving represented on those postseason awards. But now let's uh, turn the page to the, the basketball game that took place on Saturday. Hold on, I'm going to interrupt yeah. you for a minute. Where's the podcast of the year? Were we awarded yeah. on that? You know, I w didn't was see that. that I, you know, I, was looking for, I was looking for SID of the year. Oh, too, ISID I, of the year. I, oh, find, you know, I, I tried to nominate for that. but then they You nominated yourself. Good yeah. work, good work. <laughs> I would have not voted for that, oh, but really? I would have uh, voted podcast. Yeah. I would have voted podcast. <laughs> I would have been selfish in that regard. Yeah. Uh, but I was looking to see where that was. I flipped over the paper, and it's just blank, so I guess we weren't nominated, nor did we win. But 
no, maybe uh, next year. Maybe next year. Yeah, well, we'll I'll have to talk to the league about we'll adding that do. category. Uh, so, so there you go. Uh, but uh, we, we look at Saturday's game. Only one game uh, to look back at this week as we had already looked back at the Milwaukee game on last week's podcast, and it was Valpo and UIC on Saturday. And, and boy, the Crusaders came out strong and really – built a big lead early will kind of break this game down Valpo wins it over UIC in the regular season finale by a score of 72 to 63 for the second straight year the Crusaders go into the final game of the regular season play UIC and win that game uh, to bump up a spot in the conference standings and this was really a balanced effort Justin you look at the bench every player on the bench hit two shots or more in this game you got a lot of contributions from all over the place yeah, we felt really good about uh, where we were at and how we've been practicing and, and the game plan going into this game, um, similar to how we felt going into their place. But obviously UIC uh, played a great game at their building. But uh, fortunately for us on senior night, uh, we had a lot of young ladies step up. Our seniors played well, uh, did what we asked them to do and really kind of sparked a lot of uh, early energy for our entire team. And as you mentioned, uh, our bench players, normal starters, however you want to look at it, really stepped up and supported our seniors to make sure they went out on top on this final game. Always nice to, to go out on a high note. And uh, that the bench contributions have been a theme that we've talked about. And, yeah, a couple of them are normal starters in this game. But this still you're looking at a three-for-four shooting for Georgie Donchats and three-for-six for Grace Hales and two-for-three for Allison Schofield. Uh, and then you have Morrison and Linforce who are normally starters and Maya Meredith two-for-two. It has to be nice to really uh, the second half of this year – get these balanced contributions up and down the roster. Yeah, these ladies are just growing up. I mean, that's the reality. I mean, a lot of them have had opportunities, and again, we've, we've kind of banged it away and harped on it tons and tons of times during the podcast as far as, yeah, some of them have a great experience. But the age and youth is, is just a, is a theme throughout our entire roster. So uh, these young ladies are really even growing up as far as the bench players throughout this season. Grace Hales is starting to come into her own, kind of more what we expected. Allison's really fallen into her role and coming in and doing what we need her to do as a sophomore. Uh, we already talked about Caitlin. Georgie Donchez even is growing up. And, again, yeah, she is a junior. But as far as basketball goes, this is her first full season, you know, having, having set out basically two years with the injury. Uh, to have her come back and watch her grow and, and, and experience that and really become that type of player for us. She's had to grow throughout the year to find and, and learn her role and where she fits in. So, uh, And then again, Maya Meredith had some great passes and some great looks for us again. So a lot of these young ladies who are not necessarily starters are growing into those roles uh, through our season, and you're kind of seeing that kind of take fruition as the second half of the year. So with that bench play, is kind of what we expected. We'd hoped for it sooner. Yeah. Um, but again, this is you know typically how it comes to fruition. Let's talk about playing with a lead here because uh, you come out, you win the first quarter 22-8, to eight, you win the second quarter 17-8, to eight, you build a big halftime lead, and honestly it's not a situation you've been in a ton this year where you're then holding on to a lead for a long period of time for the rest of the game and trying to make sure you finish strong. What are some keys to closing out games strong once you're in that position? Well, I think the biggest one you hit on is we're just not used to it and being comfortable in that position because, quite frankly, we haven't been in it uh, since the non-conference. You know, some of these young ladies have kind of forgotten uh, what it's like to have that kind of sizable lead at half or after any quarter, for that matter. So um, learning to play with that will certainly benefit us in the game like this, even though UIC made a, a strong run there at the end. Uh, wasn't necessarily challenging us for where we felt like we could uh, drop the game in that respect. So there's definitely something to be learned from every single experience. We'd have liked to have finished stronger. Uh, the third quarter, in a sense, was more of what we expected. Obviously, we we lost that corner 20-16, to 16, but 
the way we played was more of what we expected at UIC. UIC was just able to hit a few more shots than they had in that third. The fourth quarter was where we were a little bit more disappointed as a coaching staff. I feel like we let the last you know, three or four minutes really get away from us where I still felt like we had, I don't know, it was about 15 or 16 to go with about three or four minutes to go. Uh, and then we just got really, really sloppy, had three or four turnovers in those last few minutes that led directly to UIC layups, uh, which is how they really jumped out and really even made this a single-digit game. Uh, otherwise, we finish it comfortably in the, in the double figure. So we can't let our mental lapses that we've had all season in variable, you know, various different you know, times during different games, whether first half, second half, first quarter, third quarters have always been kind of a, a bumpy road. Uh, we kind of had this, this little thing jump up here in this game at the end of the fourth. So uh, hopefully we can learn from it in the sense that we were able to have those types of mistakes, realize them, and still get the W. They didn't cost us the game. So uh, it's a lot easier to learn from a win, as they say, than it is a loss. So we'll learn a little bit something from that. Uh, but overall, we were very pleased with the, with the final result. It was a good way to send our seniors out, good way to get everybody involved. Almost everybody hit the score sheet for us. Uh, really excited about the way we had played defense until those last few turnovers on UIC uh, and really kind of came out early and reset the tone because I know they came in here and expected to get that win and take that ninth seed. Uh, you know, you don't think that's much to play for. But in the sense of the final and how you finish your year, you, you, nobody wants to finish in 10th. You know, so whatever you want to look at that or however you want to judge it, you know, after you start the, the conference 0-9, you kind of figure and know where you're going to finish. We, right up until the last week, had a chance to finish as high as 7th. Those teams ahead of us took care of their business, so that took that kind of and was taken away from us. Uh, but we had what we could control. Uh, we handled our business, and we did the right thing here at home. And again, senior night, a uh, great way to finish the season at home. Yeah, and really good shooting performance too for the team. You withstand 26 turnovers, and you do it by shooting 47 percent. Yeah, I, I hate to even say that we withstood 26 turnovers because that's an obscene number to uh, have. But again, I think a lot of those happened in that fourth quarter. Uh, we had some different lineups, as we already talked about, the mental you know, fortitude had kind of lapsed as we knew we were already going to win the game, which is unfortunate. Uh, but the reality is, is we had 26, and that allowed UIC to get 24 of those points that they got. Uh, and again, they only had 63 for the finish. So again, our defense throughout most of the game was fantastic. Uh, so we were able to hang on with that, again, with the, with the hot shooting you're talking about. Again, it was mostly in the first half where we really came out. We had six threes in the first half, uh, only able to convert one in the second. So hopefully we can, we can build on that. We'll definitely need some, some better three-point shooting come the conference tournament. Uh, but we continued to shoot well from the field. I mean, even that fourth quarter, we go seven for 14. Had we not turned it over four or five other times, we're looking at close to a 20- you know, or 25-point quarter, and we're not even having this conversation of how we close out games. So... Uh, the shooting in itself was, was solid. We had a, a little slip, if you will, in, in the third. But again, even at 35 36% for a quarter uh, is much higher than we've been in, in most of the third quarters this season. So it is progress. Uh, it is kind of building some momentum, hopefully leading us in the right direction as we head to Detroit this weekend. And you knew some of their players weren't going to come out and hit everything like they did the first time. But what certainly you, hope what'd not. What did you do to help make sure that was the case against uh, players like Taylor Tony and Carlston Hanberg? We felt like the biggest thing that we let uh, UIC do when we went to their place is we just weren't physical enough in the sense that we let Tony and we let Carlston Hanberg get to the exact spots they need to get to to get shots. Tony can create for herself, but it's mostly to the right hand, off the bounce, to the mid-range game or the short court. The Carlston Hamburg shots are really nothing off the bounce, and we were certainly going to encourage her if she wanted to dribble it, but that trail three spot from the top of the key, and then anything within the paint. So if we could keep both of her paint or both of her feet outside of the paint on the defensive side with her back to the basket, that's a little tougher move for her to get there and, and get in with her sweeping hook type move. So a little bit more distance for her to cover. So we really focused on making sure those two players specifically 
never got to those spots and felt comfortable like, hey, these are where I score from. Uh, we did a really good job of that in the first half. Uh, we were kind of up and down a little bit in the second half with that. Uh, a lot of that due to, to, to some of our matchups and our substitutions and making sure our seniors were able to get in there and do, and do some good things. Uh, but really it was about the positioning on the floor and making sure Tony and Carlson Hamburger never got to their comfort spots. Uh, and our young ladies did a great job of that. All right, now let's hear from the head coach, and we'll come back with Justin and I, and we'll talk about the conference tournament. But uh, with it being the podcast leading up to the conference tournament, it's a good time to, for the first time on the podcast, have our guest as Valpo head coach Tracy Doro. Here's that conversation. Well, it's an exciting time. The conference tournament's coming up. You end the regular season on a high note. You win four of your final eight games of the year. What's the vibe like around the team going into the tournament this week? I think we're just pretty excited to have everybody back and relatively healthy, as healthy as we can be, and just excited that we get to start over again. You know, everybody's 0-0. Zero zero. We're entering the Horizon League tournament and looking forward to going in and, and making some waves. Well, some exciting news for the team this week is Danny Franklin is all-league second team and Amber Linfor is on the all-defensive team. What's it like to see those players on her? I, I mean, I think that they both deserve those honors. I think that Danny's had an outstanding season and, you know, had we won a few more games, maybe she could have finished a little bit higher. But, you know, at the same time, I feel like, you know, we need to earn that as a team. It's, a, it's really a team award as much as it's an individual award. Danny's worked really hard, but we also as a team have gotten her the ball and, and put her in positions where she can score. And she's really worked hard on her rebounding side and doing things on the other end of the floor. And then Amber, same thing. Like, it seems like she's really worked hard at expanding her game and not being just a defensive presence, but such a defensive presence that she's now being recognized. Let's talk about kind of the progression of the team over the course of the season. For first time through conference, 0 and 9 against each team the first time, and then the second time, 4 and 5. So obviously the improvement is there. What's happened over the course of the conference season that's allowed you to get on track? Um, again, I would say that we've had just a lot of injuries and adversity that we've just had to overcome and find ways to overcome. The youth has definitely played a factor, which I didn't know that it would or could, but you know it's a long season and we had. Five freshmen, a couple of them out with injury that we thought were going to be playing a lot, and you know, and we still have four sophomores. So it's like we're a really young team, still kind of finding our way. And um, consistency has definitely been an issue. And I think that we have become more consistent as we've continued to work through the season. I was just running some numbers. I know the focus right now is on this week's tournament. You'll, if everybody comes back, you'll have 92% of your scoring back. It'll be the second most in the league. Right State will have 94% back. Is it exciting to know that you're building toward a future and that you'll have this team intact again next season? Absolutely, but I mean, we're not really looking forward to the future right now because we do feel like we can make some waves here in the tournament. We feel like we're capable of beating anyone. You know, Oakland being the one team that we really didn't do a good job either game against, and um, Green Bay we didn't shoot that well against, but I felt like every other team we competed with and were in the game for stretches, and, and really our kids are confident enough and just talented enough that I do think that we can go out there and win any game. Let's talk about the tournament in general first of all. What's it going to be like for the first time to be at the same place as the men to have everyone in one location? Our kids are really excited about that for a variety of reasons. One, we get to support our men and you know hopefully we're going to be able to make a long enough run to stay there as long as they do or vice versa you know that we just we get that opportunity and fans can watch both teams and I think bigger than that is just having 
it really feel like a tournament and not just another game at somebody's home court. It just it's going to feel like a real tournament atmosphere. We're excited that the league has wanted to do this and that the women have now been invited to join. You know, obviously the men's tournament was there last year, but um, I think it's been coming that way a long time. And it's just it's our responsibility to really pump that up and try to get fans to come out and support women's basketball. You have Youngstown State in the first round. You split the regular season meetings. What has to happen to beat them? Um, you know, we, we need to play well. A again, it's, it's just like any other basketball game. If you go out there and you don't play your best basketball, you know, you could get beaten. Um, we need to not turn the ball over, put the ball in the hole. Youngstown is really, really good from the three-point line, and I think we did a tremendous job at our place of not giving them great looks. They shot a lower percentage. I think they still hit 10, but they, they shot a much lower percentage than they did at their place. Um, we need to make sure that the kids that we don't want to get wide open looks don't get open looks, and we can't let their freshman post player bury us in the paint. We've got to make sure we push her away from the rim, not allow her to establish position and, and draw you know, Amber or Danny or Haley into foul trouble, keep our kids out of foul trouble, and be the aggressors on the offensive end. We already talked about don't turn it over, get extra opportunities with rebounding, and again, get the shots we want. We executed that game plan perfectly here. We didn't do it as well at their place, but I think we've learned a lot. Let's talk about the play of the bench. Your bench players have really increased their productivity over the course of the year. The UIC game skewed with a couple of uh, players that are normally starters coming off the bench, but uh, you had, I think, six bench players hit two shots or more in that game. Just what's it been like to see the depth come around, and how has the bench progressed? I think it's, again, coming back to each player playing their role. I mean, some of the kids that are coming off the bench are spot shooters, and that's what they did in that game. We moved the ball and got them shots. And some of them are post players. They posted strong, and they went in and scored. And, again, it comes down to teamwork and recognizing the opportunities that were given, recognizing the matchups. And we'll need to do that again against Youngstown. And we match up really well with them. You know, as far as size, speed, and strength, we match up well. So I'm hoping that as long as we make the right decisions while we're out there on the court we play strong and confident and again we go back to that consistency you know if we play consistent we should walk out of there with a win and you know I'm confident that our kids can gain some momentum going into that Green Bay game and I know that when we were up at Green Bay we couldn't buy a basket and I know our kids are kind of excited about the opportunity to possibly play them again of course we're not looking forward to them at all going into the weekend but we just we want to take care of business against Youngstown. Is the gap smaller than it has been in years past this year in the league? You look at some of the results, and there have been a lot of upsets across the league. Is the gap from top to bottom getting smaller? I think it is. I think that each team has a little bit more talent. Um, I think we're you know, making strides. A lot of it is just how we are thinking between the ears. You know, if, if we're confident and playing confident, you know, then we're capable of beating anyone. If we're not playing confident or consistent, anyone's capable of beating us. And so it's it really comes down to which team is more mentally and physically prepared, but I do think that the gap is closing, and that makes it a lot more exciting to play in this league. Coach, appreciate the time. Good having you on, and good luck this week. Thanks, Brandon. Well, back here now, Brandon Vickery rejoined by the assistant coach of the Crusaders, Justin Reese, as we get you set for the conference tournament. And we continue the Valpo Women's Basketball Overtime Podcast. And, uh, Justin, let's, let's talk about this tournament first on a whole before we break down the Youngstown State matchup a little bit. The biggest difference this year is obvious. You're playing with the men's tournament taking place simultaneously. Uh, and you've been a part of a lot of different tournaments at different places. Uh, do you like the format of the men and women being in one location? You do and you don't. Uh, the first rounds are a little more difficult because of the allotted practice time and how comfortable you can get in the gym. So if you're seated low like we happen to be this year, uh, it makes it difficult to find a comfort zone 
because uh, you don't get a lot of practice time within that gym because there's so many teams that need to get, you know, there's, you know, you know, using air quotes again, the, the stereotypical shoot around or practice time within the facility so you can get used to the rims, the lighting, uh, just, you know, the depth perception, those things that we just aren't going to be able to get. But uh, that's the, the position we found ourselves, so we can't complain too much about it. The, the team that will play in Youngstown, you mentioned, uh, they're going to have the same issue. So in that respect, it's a little bit uh, frustrating as a coach of a particular team. As a fan or someone looking at it on the outside, you kind of like the environment because you know the crowds will be a little bit better. Um, all the participants from both sides are going to be in the same area, so you're going to have some support from, you know, the, our, our women will have the men's support. You know, if we're hopefully still playing when our men play, we're going to still be there and, and hopefully support them as well. So uh, it, it's, it's really a great environment for the kids, you know, as something they'll always remember when you take away, which is what this is really all about on the college level, especially on the women's side. You know, it's about the experience. It's about the togetherness. It's about the memories they're going to take from playing together and, and having this kind of big-time event where the men are going to be there so you know that the publicity and the TV and the newspaper and all those other people are going to be there that may or may not be there to cover the women's tournament normally. So uh, they're going to get to play in a big-time environment. Uh, they're going to take away some great experiences, and hopefully uh, we make a heck of a run and they get to play for a few more days. And the other advantage that even came into play last year when you weren't with the men is being a real part of that tournament atmosphere, whereas in previous seasons, Valpo was often in the kind of a play-in game for the tournament at a uh, campus location. Campus site, yeah. And even after winning the first-round game, uh, like going to Detroit and winning a few years back, then going on to Green Bay with none of the other teams there yet, and it was still a quarterfinal game at a campus site against Green Bay, it's nice to have that. Uh, tournament atmosphere where there are games before and after years, all the teams are there. There's something exciting yeah, about it's that. Yeah, it's, it's, it goes back to that experience thing that we were just talking about. It really gives you a feel as a player and a coach, for that matter, or a fan or, or an SID, whoever's there, of being in that, at that level, the tournament experience. This is why it's called a tournament. This is why you get excited for March Madness. You want to be around that environment, and now with the creation of the, the, you know, this tournament and the Motor City Madness and, and both you know, men and women playing in the same arena, and we're kind of taking over that building for a good four or five days, and the men are going to play, the women are going to play literally same day. I mean, there's a lot of excitement about it and the memories and, and again, the experience that it's created, I think, has, has generated a lot of buzz, if you will. Uh, and with that, our crowds and the, the expectation levels all jump, so we're excited about it. All right, let's talk about the matchup. It's Youngstown State in the first round. Uh, it's always fun to go into the end of the regular season. There's all the different scenarios, but all those are done and determined now. It will be Youngstown State. Uh, the game will be on Friday. Uh, you've played Youngstown State twice. You went to their place and lost a close game. You hosted them in one handily. They were playing without the freshman of the year and Mary Dunn in that game. What are some keys for, uh, when you face off for a third time with the Penguins? It's tough. I mean, on, on the sense of, of matchups, this is a difficult matchup for us in the sense of what they like to do, uh, generally speaking, has been a problem for us in, in the defensive side, uh, and that is transition three-point shooting. Uh, Youngstown's one of the best. On the opposite side of that, that's been a struggle. Yes, they didn't have Mary Dunn last time. But we did a great job, more importantly than anything else, of taking away those transition threes at home, and that really forced them to take a lot more twos. And then again, missing Mary and the other options, whatever the case may be, they're just not as comfortable. So the game plan will be really simple. Can we take away the transition three-pointer and then take advantage of our advantages on the inside, we believe. Again, we believe with even though Mary Dunn, freshman of the year, great player, nice post addition, we have more depth, at least we feel we do, on the inside, uh, and more talent. So we believe that we can take advantage of that on the inside between 
uh, Danny Franklin, Amber Linfors, Haley Thompson, and then even sometimes Caitlin Morrison. Our depth in those positions uh, finally coming to fruition in the sense of all of them being healthy, at least right now, knock on wood, going into the tournament, that depth should provide us an advantage on the offensive end. What we need to do a great job of is making sure we're lo locked in and finding and locating those shooters in transition and run them off a three-point line. If we can make them take more twos, uh, obviously by simple math, that's going to be in our favor. So uh, we want to do that. Uh, and then again, as we talked about, make sure we take advantage of our depth and our, our advantage on the inside play. And you mentioned the word healthy, and that's been, health has been hard to come by for your team at times this season. And aside from the players that are out for the season, I think you're pretty healthy right now. I don't want to. We're as healthy as we can be. We yeah. still got a few nicked up. We're holding some kids out of practice yeah. and certain reps. I mean, but I think at this point in the season, kind of mostly everybody's doing yeah. a little, you know, piece of part of that. So uh, we're as good as we can be at this moment. Uh, you know, take it for what it is. You know, we're, we're excited about where we're at. Hopefully we can stay that way going into it. Uh, we're trying to manage some of the injuries that we currently still have. Um, but it, again, in the tournament time, those guys and those players, they don't want to hear about that themselves. They're going to block that out and they're going to want to play. So it's really up to us as coaches to make sure we manage it as best we can so we can keep them as fresh and ready to go. So, uh, you know, Youngstown's been the other team just like us, as, as snake-bitten as anybody as far as the injury and the, and, the, and the sickness or whatever you want to call it all season. So uh, it'll be the battle of the, the nicked-up teams, and uh, hopefully we can come out on top and, and do what we want to do as far as the game plan goes and, and slow them down from the three-point line. And uh, for, uh, from your standpoint, just within your own team, the offensive success has really started to come around here, here in recent games. We, that long stretch of consecutive losses to start conference play, the thing we came here and talked about every week was the ball wasn't going in the hole. The, the shooting percentages were terrible in many cases. Now that's started to improve. What's led to that swing, and how do you, you keep the success offensively going into the tournament? Uh, that first win. I mean, to be honest with you, that's kind of uh, that big thing that we were just dying and, and needed to get to get back to, to get these young kids that feeling again that, hey, this is what it was, because we were shooting and playing with a lot of confidence in the non-conference schedule. Uh, you know, the record wasn't exactly what we thought it would be or what we wanted it to be coming out of that. But it wasn't on the offensive end where we lacked confidence. We just hadn't quite bought into the new defensive concepts, and our younger kids hadn't quite learned to play at the right pace on the defensive end yet. So once they did that, all of a sudden the offense went out the window and the confidence kind of factor started to kind of, uh, you know, spin out of control and, and fall down that, that cliff, if you will. So uh, to get that first W, even still not playing great offense on that day, we've won a couple of games where the offense really still, well, frankly, it stunk, but we were able to get Ws because of our defense. Now you start to build that confidence. And again, you win four of your last nine. You're starting to get a little bit of momentum here as far as in the, in the month of February, going into March. So you feel good, your confidence rises. And again, you got to give a little bit of the credit, if not all the credit to the girls as far as they're coming in. They recognize the issues as far as they know they're getting shots. We're putting them in the right position to make shots and shots that they should hit and they feel comfortable taking. They just weren't going in. So what's the answer to that as a player? You get yourself in the gym and you take more shots and you see the ball go in and build up your own self-confidence. They've done that. They've come in with us as far as the assistant coaches working with some of the players individually to help them. But again, more of the credit goes to the girls as far as making sure they found the time on their own personal time, if you will, to get themselves in the gym uh, and see that ball go through so they can rebuild their own confidence. Because again, during the season, you know, we can do as much psychological stuff as we want to do, but there's only so much we can do. When we have to show you the tape of you missing shots, the tape doesn't lie. So how do you frame that work in a sense where you're not, you know, hurting feelings or, or busting confidence? You, you have to be honest. You, you can watch the film, and if you're not being honest, your players are going to know it. 
So credit to again to our players taking the feedback, taking the criticism, seeing the tape and seeing it for themselves. Wow, I'm I'm not getting it done. Taking it on their own shoulders to get in the gym, whether to work with a coach or on their own, and get those extra shots and that extra work rate in, and it's really starting to pay off for us. And when you get those wins, it's always nice to win, regardless. Absolutely. But, but given the struggles that you've been through this season, you have to maybe be even happier for the girls and for your program when you get start to have a few positive moments uh, after fighting through the adversity of the long losing streak. I mean, it's, it's, it's again, it goes back to, to not to rehash too much, but it's about the experiences and what they're going to remember and what they're going to take away. And if you don't have some of those Ws, especially in conference and hopefully now the conference tournament, what are they going to remember? You know, they're going to remember those bus rides where they had the, ho- you know, and they had fun with the team, or those, you know, those hotel stays where they kept the W, or they're, you know, leading up to the game or whatever. You know, the team meals, the team adventures, the team bonding—all those things are the things they take away. But we need to make sure they're taking away some of those experiences on the floor as well. And I think we were able to do that the second half of the year. Our seniors are going to go out on a positive note in the sense that they got some good feelings, they got to be a part of some victories. Uh, helped us get to be a part of it, not just being on the team. They helped us earn those wins with their, you know, with their work and the things they were able to do for us on and off the court. So uh, we've helped create some better memories by adding some Ws. It certainly helps us as a coaching staff and what we're trying to teach the young ladies and say, hey, if you would just do it and can commit to the way we're showing you and what we're trying to teach you, you're going to have success. And it's easier to believe that when the actual you get the success. So they've had the Ws. They've gotten the reward. You get the win. They start to buy in a little bit better, and they start to believe in it, and then your work rate continues to progress. And speaking of positive memories, I mean, one came in the tournament last year, and for most of the players here, probably the, the best memories of their career was going into the tournament, upsetting Detroit, this wild overtime game, winning at 94-91. And maybe that helps going into this season that, hey, you've experienced tournament success before. Uh, your players know you can win in this situation, and they know how rewarding it is to win as an underdog in the conference tournament. Yeah, there's no question. I, I don't think there's any doubt that the, the young ladies who participated and, and played and got a chance to watch or even experience that game, know and, and feel good about the environment and know how good it felt for them to go into the offseason on that win. Yeah, we got that W. We turned around and had a really bad first quarter against Northern Kentucky, but then finished those three quarters strong, just weren't able to kind of get back out of that hole. Knowing we'd really played, you know, seven good quarters in the conference tournament, we had something to build on in the offseason. So you want to kind of generate that same kind of positive mental attitude going into the offseason. So whether we make a heck of a run and get to the championship or you just win one game, there's an opportunity to keep building, and that's what we need to do. Again, that's what we're trying to do with the entire program. It's going to be great for our younger players, and on top of that, it'll be great to again send our seniors out with a win, maybe two, maybe three. Hey, and who knows how it goes after that again. Conference tournament, March Madness, it's all crazy for a reason, so we're looking forward to it. And there have been some wacky results in the Horizon League this season. I mean, some unusual results. Of, uh, last week, we were kind of surprised to see Northern Kentucky beat Milwaukee the way they did by 21 points. Uh, Green Bay's losses, uh, the way Detroit's season's gone with some of the teams they've both beaten and lost to. I mean, there have been some surprising results. I think that for a team that is the nine seed, is encouraging going into the conference tournament maybe the gap is smaller from top to bottom than it was in years past? I think it's wide open. I mean, I I'd, I'd, would be I don't know, lying if I didn't say that Wright State and, and Green Bay throughout the entirety of the whole regular season hadn't separated themselves. I mean, that's why they tied for the conference sure. championship. But if you look at just our results specifically against those teams, every time we played them, we get closer and closer and gave them a battle, especially with Wright State. And the second time we played Green Bay, again, we talk about the offensive struggles earlier in the, in the show. Uh, had we been able to hit anything, we give them a game as well at their building. So 
you know, anybody at any time in this conference this particular season can beat anybody, and that's been wide open, as you mentioned, to some of the losses that maybe you wouldn't expect, the upsets, if you will. But we can only focus on our first game, uh, and that's going to be our biggest challenge right now and, and our biggest hurdle. And if we can get that one, we'll start to worry about who we're able to play and, or who's next on the list. Uh, can't worry about that. Youngstown's a tough enough opponent. Uh, and you know they're going to be well prepared. They do, their staff does a great job. Uh, and their players have really bought into what they do, especially with all the injuries they've had to go through. So they, kn they know the feeling we've been in, uh, and I'm sure they're going to be excited and looking forward to trying to get revenge from the last game. So uh, we've got our hands full with that one. Hopefully we can get that one, and then we can kind of you know see what happens and see if there's really a chance to make a run or not. But you can't make a run if you don't win the first one. So uh, Youngstown's our focus right now. And it, no question, it should be a fun, exciting, and close competitive game on Friday. That game begins at 1.30 Central Time for fans to watch along from home on ESPN3 or listen on the WVUR radio broadcast. And if Alpo d is fortunate enough to win that game, they will play Green Bay in the second round in a game that begins at 10.30 a.m. on Saturday morning. Well, Justin, appreciate the time. We'll come back and uh, we'll, we'll look back at the season or look back at the conference tournament and uh, who knows if we're fortunate we enough to pull off some Maybe we're looking forward to, to exactly. what's happening in our battles with, you know, probably UConn if we're able <laughs> yeah. to do that far. But, um, again, Youngstown's the, the first hurdle. Uh, conference championship tournament it's a great time of year and if you're able to make it out to Detroit to come support your kids or or support this program or support these players uh, we'd love to have you and love to see you out there well there he is Justin Reese the assistant coach of the Crusaders for Justin this is Brandon Vickery saying I hope you enjoyed this week's edition of the Valpo Women's Basketball Overtime Podcast